0: G'day everybody, Matt Ellis with you for the latest edition of the Cricket Library podcast and today we have a very special treat for you. The Alistair McDermott story. From growing up on the Gold Coast to getting his first Queensland contract while he was still at school, he would go on to play in a winning Australian World Cup under-19 team, a Big Bash Championship winning team, a one-day domestic winning team, and taking six wickets to lead Queensland to victory in a Sheffield Shield final. Good
1: movement both ways to McDermott. And there you go. Straight through. Six wickets for Alistair McDermott.
0: Alistair shares with us the highs and the lows of playing professional cricket, his transition out of the game playing professionally, and moving into studying teaching, as well as his work now as a coach at the Alistair McDermott Cricket Academy and winner Manly Cricket Club. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy the Alistair McDermott story on the Cricket Library Podcast. And it's a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library Podcast. Alistair McDermott, thanks so much for joining us.
2: No dramas, Matt. No. Thank you very much for having me, having me on me on. Uh, very much enjoying to have a, have a bit of a chat.
0: Yeah, we've, we've had a few Queenslanders on uh, recently, Nathan Reardon and, and Luke Feldman uh, in recent times. And great to have you on as well. Uh, a Sheffield Shield winner, a Big Bash winner, a domestic one-day winner. But what we like to start with on the program is to find out a little bit about where your passion for cricket started. So can you take us back to your early memories of loving the game?
2: Yeah, perfect. Love to. Um, it's actually I grew up on the on the Gold Coast. Uh, I played for the Mudgeeraba District Cricket Club. I uh, obviously starting in the juniors um, down there on the sort of Southern Gold Coast region. I uh, played there for a number of years, and from there, sort of obviously just sort of loved the game, fell in love with it, and I really started to enjoy it, and um, progressed sort of through there playing through a little different sort of higher age groups and. Different sort of South Coast regional sort of teams.
1: Yep. Um,
2: and I played a lot of different sports as well growing up. Cricket definitely wasn't my only sport. Uh, I played soccer, did swimming, a bit of tennis, surf life saving. Um, so I think that was probably what held me in sort of some pretty good settings. Um, and I just had just fell in love with playing sport. And then eventually, once I got a little bit older, probably in sort of my early teens, certain sports started to drop off. I didn't do swimming. Yep. Uh, well, I think one of my last swimming sessions, I think I came back from a holiday actually and I went to a swimming lesson. I pretty much nearly, I think, tried the majority of the time just because I did not enjoy it at all and that from that session on, I never went back to, to swimming. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I played soccer up until about sort of year nine. Um, Surf life saving, I, mean, I stopped a little bit beforehand and. I didn't really choose cricket um, for, obviously, with, with my dad playing at all. Um, I just kept playing because I enjoyed it. Um, and that's sort of something that I try and sort of preach the kids that I coach today. Um, you know, play a variety of sports and make sure you enjoy what you're doing um, because there's a lot of hard work um, to be committed, to be motivated, to play sport sport. Um, so if you if you aren't enjoying it, then probably don't play. But if yeah. you are enjoying it, then, you know, that's that's the most important thing.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, you have got a younger brother who's a very talented batter. one one of the things I've I've found interesting is that you're the older brother and you were predominantly a bowler. Um yep. I was thinking of like say say a Brett Lee, for instance. He was the younger brother, probably bowling for hours on end to Shane. Um hmm. you're you're the other way around. Um, do you have many memories of playing with your younger brother?
2: Yeah, we played a fair bit of I have backyard cricket um, as sort of what you do when you're growing up. Um, I do sort of have a distinct memory sort of when growing up on the coast. You know, in in holidays we'd sort of set up on the on the driveway, uh, hitting across uh, across the I guess across down the driveway across sort of the road, and even then into sort of a bit of a park across the road. And you know, we would set ourselves up as a certain team. We'd write down our batting order. Um, of each and it was we always sort of picked, you know, the current Queensland team. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we going through the teams back then, you know, you'd have Matthew Hayden, um, you know, Kasperich Bickle, all those type of type of heroes that we sort of grew up passionately watching. Um and we you know, you gotta get ten wickets and then you might get your chance to have a bat. Um, so as you can tell, obviously there was a lot of batting done by Ben and a lot of bowling
0: done (laughs) by me. Yeah. Do do you remember much about your progression into, uh, men's grade cricket? What, what are your recollections of of that as a teenager trying to kind of, um, break into, into men's first grade cricket?
2: Yeah, I, so I was playing for the Gold Coast Dolphins at that time and, um, I remember I was playing. I got picked in I guess, the Taverners squad, which I, back then I think it was a little bit younger um, okay. than it was than it is these days up here in uh, in I guess the Brisbane sort of competition. And I was playing in that, and then for sort of the year after that, uh, I sort of progressed into the senior grade competition. Um, and I started off playing third grade. Um, but what I sort of used to do from memory is I used to play a little bit of local cricket in the morning for Surf Paradise. Yep. And then I used to also then progress, then go and play I guess, the third grade games in the afternoon. Um. And then I, I think I spent about three quarters of that year in third grade. Yep. Uh, and then I went into second grade, sort of finished off in second grade that year. Then the following year, I started off in second grade and I progressed by the end of that sort of the middle of that year um I was playing second grade,
0: yeah, and um pro- uh,
2: oh, sorry, in, in second grade is then so by the middle of that year sort of I progressed into sort of first grade sorry
0: and, and how long were you playing regular first grade cricket before you get that call up uh to to play t twenty cricket back? In the pre Big Bash days, you make your debut for Queensland against Victoria. How much first grade experience did you have under your belt before you're thrown into the big time?
2: Um, to be honest, not much. Um, I it's looking back now, um, I was was very, very, very very, very lucky and fortunate to, to get a contract uh, in year twelve, um, and then on on the back of, to be honest, I didn't play much first grade cricket at all. I had played um, a couple of um, a couple of games. Um, yep. you know, it would have only been sort of two or three first grade games, and I got a, got a contract. But I think what they sort of probably liked, um, is that the last sort of few games in second grade of one season, I got a Pfeiffer in the last round game, a fiver in the semi, and then a fiver in the final.
1: Yeah. Um, yep.
2: So I think that, I think that might have held in good stead, but you know. As I sort of think about it, have sort of thought about it, you know, I was only playing second grade. You know, there's still a big step up to first grade, then another big step to second-eleven second, second 11 cricket, then into, obviously, the uh, the men's Bulls team. Um, but, yeah, I was very fortunate enough to get a contract in year 12. We were, um, to play that T20 competition, um, I was actually on the under-19 tour with, with the Queensland. Uh, it was just a national competition and Chris Lynn was on that tour, and I remember I got a call from, on well, my phone came up, um, it was our chairman of selectors back then, and I went and I answered the call, and, you know, they're saying, oh, you know, we've picked you for the upcoming um, T20 competition, and back then it was the state competition, the Big Bash hadn't started up then, and I, 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 was, I generally thought he was sort of, you know, taking the mickey, and just <laughs> having a bit of a, having having a laugh, to be honest, because I was not on my radar at all. I hadn't played a lot of T20 cricket at all, to be honest. Um And I was just, I was currently just at an under nineteen competition, and I was, and I very much thought I was definitely, you know, a couple of years at least away from getting an opportunity. And I had a lot of work to do to show that I probably deserved it. Yeah. Um, so I probably got that opportunity. You know, I believe probably. I definitely hadn't had performances on the board. Let's say that to to warrant this selection. Yeah. Um. But all they said to me, you know, your role is come in and we just want you to hit yorkers. We're good at executing yorkers. Yeah. So just come in and bowl yorkers, and pretty much that's what I did the whole year. I'd barely bowled um, any other balls apart from a yorker, <laughs> um, but for a whole for a whole season. So it worked out pretty well. I had a had not not bad not too bad of a season. Yep. Uh, in the T20s. Um. And sort of, then it sort of just sort of slowly sort of progressed from there for me.
0: Yeah, and you you get your one day debut, your domestic one day debut against WA. Um, do you recall your first wicket against uh, bowling to Marcus North? I think it was one where there was sort <laughs> of a it was sort of half appeal for LBW, half appeal for caught behind, and uh, I think you looked a bit shocked that it was given out from memory. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I definitely, I was. it was one of those ones as a bowler, you go, oh, that might be out, that might, might not be. It was sort of a half appeal, half of just sort of going, oh, it was a, something might have happened. Um, and I sort of just followed through and then I sort of turned around and the umpire's got his finger up. Um, <laughs> so I, it was, it was definitely no real appeal for me at all. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen re- replays before and there's definitely that sort of, that sort of shocked look on my face, that's for sure. And, well, I remember the replays of watching the delivery as well. I don't know sort of what the umpire heard or even saw because, for me, there was definitely some clear daylight between bats. <laughs> um, I don't I don't think the ball hit anything to be honest. Uh,
0: Marcus North, not a bad one to get for wicket number one though. No?
2: Yeah, exa- exactly right. I was. I remember I was so nervous that day. Um, it was probably quite fortunate. It was a bit of a, a bit of a green top. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of something in for the bowlers and being at the whacker there's always that bit of pace and bounce as well so I was pretty fortunate to have a a bowler friendly wicket um, we didn't perform the best I know from memory we didn't um, we didn't get too many runs on the board and I think we can't, had to come out and defend yeah um, defend the low total I actually can't remember if, even if we won the game Um, but it was it was yeah, it was a great experience and it's it's sort of those sort of moments you sort of go back and you can, you watch and you get all these sort of little bits of memories of pieces of during that game, um, and those moments sort of you know you get your first wicket and it is obviously Marcus North um, who went on to have a a very nice a nice career for Australia.
0: Yeah, and just just for the record, WA won by two wickets with three balls remaining. You had a mate eight down okay. chasing one sixty one, so.
2: Right. Oh, so I was that close then, okay.
0: Yeah. Do- Brett Dory and Brad Knowles in at the end for WA to get him across the line.
2: Yeah. So Okay, big at two story Dory. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's a good
0: bowler. Yeah, he picked uh, he, he picked up wickets in that game as well, I think. Uh, yeah. Um now first class debut, red ball cricket. So you you sort of um you've come in into the Queensland setup. Uh, in the squad, you've, you've played some T20 cricket, some 50 over cricket. Um, tell us about the call up to play against the West Indies uh, for your for your first class debut and and your recollections of that.
2: Yeah, so we was it was in the middle of the season, um, and obviously they were generally back then. What they they don't really do it too much these days, um, but what they do, I think, it was also because of the timing of schedules. But back then. Generally, uh, whatever country is touring would play a couple of games against some states in between sort of their current sort of shield schedule, just to warm them up for uh, obviously the the tour that they they're going to play against Australia. Um, So what happened was I, I got the call up. I think probably more so because there was it was in between some shield games, so they wanted to rest a couple of bowlers, but all but also sort of have a look at. Some um, different bowlers as well. So myself and Luke Selwyn, um, we did both debut that game, mm. um, and Luke Selwyn had an outstanding game. He bowled the house down, and he was in. The, he deserved that call up the game after to to keep going on and playing some first class cricket, some four day cricket for for Queensland. And obviously, we know what uh, sort of career he had. He was been an absolute stalwart for Queensland over the years.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, but but, but but for me, it was, you know, it was a great experience. Got my um, baggy maroon hat presented by um, Joey Dawes. He was, he was a bowling coach uh, for years and years around Queensland and obviously an exceptional bowler in his own right as well. But for me, I had a good connection with him because he knew me from a, quite a young age and helped me come up through the pathway sort of, system at Queensland cricket. And it was a, a special moment for me to, to get my hat from him. Um, and it was just a great experience. Playing the game because I hadn't played any long long form cricket apart from sort of two day cricket, the Saturday Saturday stuff, um, in club cricket to be honest before that. And you know, you are running in and bowling to Shivran Chanderpool with his <laughs> chest facing you um, when I'm thinking he's trying to face up to to someone at square legs. So uh, it was it was it was a very good experience, and I learned a lot about myself. And I guess the, how much more work I had to do to make sure that I was ready to play consistent first-class cricket.
0: And you bowl first in that game. You're taking the new ball and a wicket. I think with your ninth ball, Travis Dowland and bowled. Um, did that help calm the nerves? Getting an early breakthrough.
2: Yeah, I think it definitely does it. Um, no Maybe whether if you get a wicket or if you, I guess, in your on your debut. Or in a big game, if you can get a, a good couple of overs under the belt, where you're landing the ball where you want to, there might be a bit of swing. Um, I guess you can just relax and get yourself into the game. Yeah. Um, but to get a wicket was was amazing, to be honest. Um, and you know, one to one that you're always going to remember that for sure. And you know, since I guess in the last few years, I've sort of gone back onto the cricket system where we hold all our footage, and I've sort of have downloaded. Heap of sort of games and which I sort of which I can remember where I performed well and you know so I can look back on in sort of years to come and just go through those moments and memories that um, you know were really really nice to be able to sort of look back on.
0: Oh, for sure. And and speaking of nice moments, you you're a World Cup winner un- under 19s World Cup. <laughs> Mitch Marsh is your captain. I think Joshie Hazelwood and maybe Kane Richardson the other players that have gone on to to play international cricket, certainly. Uh, what are your recollections of of winning the World Cup um, with with that group of, of players for Australia?
2: Um, yeah, it was amazing to be honest. Um, yeah, we had some pretty good celebrations that that for sure. We didn't sleep uh, until we got on the plane.
1: Oh wow! Um,
2: but, <laughs> but yeah, I guess a, a fun little a fact about that that under nineteen team and even the entire squad. Um, everyone in that entire squad, apart, I think it was part from maybe one, actually, no, everyone did, um, went on to play some form of, of cricket, um, whether that be for their states, so whether that be first class cricket or T20 cricket or one day cricket. Wow. Um, so, which I think that's a, a pretty good achievement for, for all of those guys. Um, but I think we've had a lot of guys progress through that team and play even international cricket. As you said, sort of, we got, there was Kane Richardson, Adam Zampa.
1: Oh, Sam's um,
2: yeah. Hazelwood Marsh. So there was um there was a lot of lot of serious seriously good players who've gone on and, and are still playing today and performing well for Australia. Um, and it was a it was an amazing game because I think we were sort of a little bit behind the eight ball when we were, we started sort of bowling. Yep. Um, but to be honest, Josh Hazelwood won won it with the ball for us. He just bowled outstandingly. Um, he was lucky he had down the breeze. Um, so he was able to bowl some decent wheels and Mitch Marsh just goes here mate have the ball you can run into the breeze all day <laughs> <for you."> so, <laughs>
0: thanks Mitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly
2: it, um, I don't think I bowled too well that game but it has a tough end um, but I was always happy to do that do that, play that role up into the breeze I think I always bowled, bowled my best into the breeze um, I think that's probably one thing that suited me and helped me I guess have an early career in cricket is because I was always happy to have those sort of tough ends or tough overs whether that was into the breeze uh, or whatever it might be because I think a lot of bowlers get caught up in always trying to bowl down breeze and try and bowl fast when sometimes yeah. that can actually work against you
0: yeah and, and you you relied on your your out swinger a lot early on were you was that your kind of go-to ball uh even back then?
2: Ah, uh, yeah, 100%. That's really was my main focus. All I was, I had a big focus on is just staying boring in yeah. that sense of always being around that sort of off stump line and just trying to swing the ball. Um, I was, you know, I think I always had a sort of a nice wrist position, good scene presentation when I bowled. So I was always able to swing the ball. I always had, always just gave myself the best opportunity, opportunity to swing the ball. And I didn't really have too much else up the up sleeves. To be honest, didn't really have many off cutters relied on hitting the seam if, to, to seam it. Oh. It wasn't until sort of, you know, four years later that I was tried to bowl some more in swingers or try to have a few more variations up for sure.
0: Now, uh, Sheffield shield cricket, you get your chance to play some shield cricket for Queensland and the, the season to remember 2011, uh, uh, 12, we'll get to the shield final in a minute, but there was a game at the back end of the regular season, I think Queensland was undefeated at this point in time. And you're playing uh against WA, D- WA sneak home by one wicket chasing chasing about seventy, I think, in in the second innings. And I think it was fifty-two. Oh wow. Fifty-two and, from memory. Yeah. And and you you rip through you, you rip through their top order and take career best first class figures, ten overs, seven for twenty-four. Have you ever felt better bowling than that day?
2: Probably not, to be honest. It, it'd be one, one would be close to being in that final later in, I think it was later in that year. Yeah, um, yeah. But there was one of those days where you're just running and everything's just smooth clicking and where you want to bowl at what you want to do with the ball, it just happens. And, um, you know, you have a lot of other days where you're running and bowling you're trying to do what you want to do and it's just, going left or right and you just can't seem to do what you want. But yeah, it was one of those days that everything clicked for me and and everything, anytime the batter sort of missed it, it was getting an edge and um, it was getting taken apart from um, Ryan Broad dropped the catch at first or second split yeah. and also a hat-trick ball didn't get given out. Off Nathan Nathan Remington down leg oh. so it would, have been, <laughs> it, it, it would so, have been nice to hang
0: so did you did you strangle him down the leg side
2: yeah, it was just sort of wrapped in. um it was a little bit short and sort of around that rib cage area and he went to sort of just, I just flick it off his body and it just got a glove um and the umpire just said not not out and didn't hear off didn't hear anything um uh. but you know I had played a lot. With Nathan Remington before he went over to Perth and he whether he was trying to wind me up or not um, get under my skin, but he said he he said he definitely hit it. Oh
1: but gee. That's
2: right. It was yeah. It was a great game and it was probably a game that we def we definitely didn't deserve to win because we didn't bat well um, yeah. in the first innings. Hence, when the team's only chasing fifty two in the second innings, your team probably hasn't battered that well and you probably might not have bowled the bowled the best either in your first innings. So I think we probably made it a closer game than probably what should have it should have been to be honest.
0: And a fellow Queenslander, 16 not out at the end and not walking on a hat-trick ball, Nathan Remington. <laughs>
2: Goodness It would have been me. nice if it was Adam, Adam, Adam Gilchrist. He would have
0: walked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. And now that year, we, we talk about that Sheffield Shield final that year. I, I had Chris Hartley on um last year and we were talking about this Shield final. What What a phenomenal game of cricket it was. Queensland... Uh, playing against Tasmania and winning by three wickets in the end, it was a uh, hundred, a hundred from Chris Hartley in in your first innings that set it up. But before all that happened, uh, you take a big bag, six for fifty four, including the great RT Ponting in a Shield final. <laughs> how, how good are you going there?
2: Yeah, it was again. It was I think I was just in a really nice, uh, nice stage. Uh, in a mental state with my cricket, and I guess that in a purple patch is sort of what people call it, Yeah. and everything or sort of what I wanted to do was just sort of happening, um, and I think what was a good moment, and one i you know, I'll always sort of look back on and be pretty proud of, um, you know, there was a stage of the game where uh, Tassie were going pretty comfortably, they were only sort of one or two down for mm. about 100 odd, and then I think I came on in, in one spell, sort of took three for five or three for six off, sort of six overs. Um, and, and I think that's sort of what sort of helped sort of turn the game and sort of slowly, sort of then we were able to sort of capitalise, we finished them off relatively quick and and then half and um, batted exceptionally well. And I think James Hope's got a quick fire. I think It might have been 30 or 40 um, in that first innings. Oh, I think, um, he, got we, I think he got fifty. He got fifty. 50 okay. Yeah,
0: fifty-eight in that first innings.
2: Yeah, and um, I think that's sort of what really just sort of kept the momentum on our side um, throughout the game. Um, but again, it was yeah, I was what we as I sort of said previously, it would be sort of one of those sort of those fond memories that we look back on. And it was an amazing game. And you know, I wish wish I've been able to sort of play playing a lot more sort of a lot more finals. But um, you know, it was. It was a great experience, and it was a great bunch of blokes. And you look back on, and you see see different sort of clips and memories of it. Um, and it always sort of brings a bit of a spine tingling sort of feel to it because you're able to sort of be part of of a Sheffield Shield history, because uh, it's such a prestigious trophy. Yeah. And um, it's uh, yeah, it's just great to be able to sort of help Queensland with the trophy again.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I need to ask you, Queensland, a seven down. AC McDermott sitting with the pads on, um, <laughs> h- 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 how are you feeling? Are you thinking, come on, Hartz and Steve McGoffin, let's just get this done. Um, I don't want to be the hero here.
2: Oh, exactly. Any any person in that moment that says, look, I'm fine, I wasn't nervous, I'll, I want to go out there, is, is completely lying, lying. <laughs> to you. Um, I, I was sitting majority of the time underneath, in the dressing room, watching it on the TV, just pacing around, extremely nervous. <laughs> probably going to the toilet every, going to the toilet every second over because yeah. I was that nervous.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. And then once it got, we sort of I think got down to sort of the near the single digits. I came out and hopped up, um, with it with everyone else. Um, because I was sort of thinking, you know, if there's next weekend, I've got to put all my batting gear on. Yeah. Um, but I was yeah. pretty. I was very lucky that uh, obviously I didn't have to do that. So um, I would have, I don't know, if, if we was four or five doing I'm not sure if my nerves uh, would have held out, that's for sure. But, you know, Harps and um, Steve McGoffin they did an exceptional job and they were just able to ride the guess—ride the momentum and the, uh, the, um, the nerves, I'm sure, that they had and just control their emotions and, and get the job done. Um, they did a tremendous job. Tremendous job, um, did their role for, for us. <coughs> and I think that would be one thing that they'll be able to look back on and be extremely proud of is what they'll be able to achieve.
0: Oh, absolutely incredible to do that in a Shield final, um, standing up when it mattered. And uh, a, a great piece of Queensland cricket history, that one. And another one that we, we've talked about with a couple of other guests, we've talked about this one with Ryan Harris and Nathan Reed and I sort of highlighted this one. He, he won three domestic one-day titles with Queensland and he put this one top of the pile. The, the 2012-13 uh, Ryobi Cup final at the MCG, it's a rain-affected game. You, you guys make 146 uh, from your overs and then uh, a revised target, I think it might have been, for Victoria. They were pretty well coasting. Uh, you, you pick up three wickets in this game as well. You, you you knock over Hanscom, Sheridan, and I think who else you got there? Might maybe Michael Hill. Um, yep. What, what you? What are your reflections of this one? Was this was this another great escape by Queensland?
2: <laughs> you probably could put it that way. It was definitely a game where there was uh, a lot of things where you, you always sort of think about just control what you can control there was a lot of things that were just affecting the things that you can control uh, i guess because there was all the weather around the, the totals were changing yep um the ball the ground was wet the ball was wet um so there was a lot of things that you just had to just try and not let affect your emotions and or not a, not affect your i guess your mental sort of state on how you want to on what you're trying to do at the end of the day everything else can, can be on pear shades but if you're not running in doing your job, no one's going to care about that. you got to actually run in and be able to still do your job as a bowler and put the ball where you need to. Um, and there was a stage towards the end there. I probably sort of let that sort of get to me and I wasn't able to, I was probably, the crease was a bit wet. Um, definitely not an excuse, but excuse at all. But I was I was sort of struggling and I didn't really sort of finish off my spell that day to, to how I would have liked. Um, but one man that did was Ryan Harris. He bowled superbly. Um, he he probably won us the game with the ball. Yeah. That, that's for sure because he, he bowled absolutely outstandingly, finished the game off for us extremely well. And then with the bat was probably um, Jason Flores who um, had an outstanding game. I think he might have whacked uh, oh. 40 or 50 from yeah, memory. Yeah, for,
0: 47 off 32, Jason Flores. Yeah. Yeah, at a critical time. And,
2: um it, it was because I think the weather was around then and we had we knew we only had a certain amount of overs to bat and he he everything just clicked for him and he if it probably wasn't for him he we wouldn't have had a, a total to at least try and defend try and defend. So he had an exceptional game as well and I think that's the key in finals. There's always little moments where the game can be sort of won or lost. Yeah. Even though you either a fifty over game or four day game or a 2020 there's always little key moments that I that I think a result comes down to and the longer you can stick to your game plan duck yourself I think more often than not you will come out on top in, in those key moments
0: yeah absolutely and uh another another really good one uh for you playing the big bash you you played that early cricket with Queensland before it was known as the big bash and the Brisbane Heat ha- have a wonderful season uh, in BBLO2 Nathan Horritz former guest guest on the show as well um man of the match in this game um you you pick up some wickets as well some key ones your future captain at the Sydney Thunder Mike Hussey and Bradley Hogg um can can you tell us at the time um, what winning a Big Bash title meant to yourself and and the whole Brisbane Heat group.
2: Um, yeah, it's a good question because I guess in that moment uh, the format or, or not necessarily maybe the, I guess the format was so new to to Australia it hadn't been sort of really um, I guess taken in by maybe the public as as well as it had it did sort of a couple of years after. Yeah. Um, so it was really. Um, For for us, uh, it was a new experience, I guess, for the first couple of seasons in the BBL, and we we that first BBL season, we really weren't too sure how uh, if the public were really going to probably take it on board, and I guess we know what what's happened since it's been an amazing amazing product, that's for sure. Yeah, but it was it was it was an exceptional game, and I know as you sort of said, Horry. Um, he got man of the match, but I do remember sort of one moment during that game in the first couple of overs. It was a right hand, left hand combination batting, and the I was out at deep square for the right hand, and then the left hander came in, so I came in at came into point, and the ball came at me two balls in a row, and nearly spun past me. Oh, and oh,
1: yeah.
2: I think it was between, <laughs> it was, I think it was between the overs or he comes up and he goes, mate, you're never going to go back with points to me again. I was like, yeah, that's fair enough. I've never really filled with that <laughs> ever before. Just put me on the boundary or put me somewhere straight in the field and I'll be more than happy, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and, and you had um, Kemar Roach as your overseas. And I think you you would have played against him in that first game you played for Queensland, lightning fast yeah. with the ball. H- how good was it from for you as a young guy to... Hang around someone like a Kimar Roach in, in this um, big bash tournament.
2: Yeah, it was amazing, and I think that's a great asset to the BBL is being able to get all those internationals in, as much as is you know, probably a draw card for spectators, for us as players, um, it's an amazing experience because we get to learn from they' are obviously the best T20 players in the world. That, that's why they're coming, and that's why franchises are signing them., yep. um, But Kima here was amazing. You know, he, you're able to talk to him about cricket, you know, his upbringing as well and how he came into cricket. And I guess you you don't necessarily always talk so much about, I guess, how he bowls or anything like that. You just learn their journey and you learn the different style of cricket that they play and, and how they, I guess, everything they go about, their sort of training as well. And I think that's where us as players, you can learn a lot because, You've sort of only ever grown up and been in Australia, then you sort of only know that one way. If you can get exposed to different players and how they learn, how they train, or how they've learned to play the game in their upbringing, I think it gives you a new perspective on on yourself and how you can obviously then improve and improve your game as well. Um, and even though it was those first few years the, in the heat, you know, we had Brandon McCullum, yeah. there was Shane Watson, Mitch Johnson, Dan Vittori as well, Um, Cesaro Pereira, Rulof Vandermeer, so there was, you know, there was some really, really good T20 players um, that we were able to expose ourselves to and learn on.
0: And was it nice for you having your brother in the Brisbane Heat squad as well? What did it mean to you to have a Ben around for a little while there while you were at the Heat as well?
2: Uh, It was amazing. Um, To be honest, that's probably one Disappointing thing for me personally that I haven't been able, well, I wasn't able to um, achieve was to play a game with him. Um, mm. Obviously, we played a lot of club career and everything together, but we were never able to walk out and represent, you know, a franchise or our state together. Um, to be honest, if I could have, if I could have, have one game, um, that only one more game, um, whether it would be, you know, a franchise or or a um, or representing our state, and if I could play with him, I, I definitely would do anything to do, yeah, for that to happen. That's for sure. Um, but you know, it was great. You know, I was twelfth man for a couple of games that he played. Um, I think he head one off Sean Tate at Adelaide <laughs> Oval to to, to mid off in one of his very first games for the Heat. Um, uh, he's got a big melon, so he, he was lucky he was able to take that. <laughs>
0: Oh classic and and players players at the thunder as well we were talking about some of the overseas players you you have two years at the thunder you, you're in the squad the year they win BBL05 the likes of Jacques Callas Andre Russell um what was it like being around those guys similar to what you said with the likes of Vittorian and McCullum etc
2: Ah uh, yeah it definitely was I was probably a little bit more um, taken back by them, um, purely probably, of because of their um, I guess of the stature of players they were. Yeah. With things that you know, Jacques Tallis probably the best, you know, for me anyway, the best all round Test player um, and one day player probably the world's ever had. Yep. And then you've got you know Shane Watson, Andre Russell was in the earliest stages of his career, and then obviously Mark Hussey towards the back end and. He was someone that definitely sort of idolised in the way his passion for the game. Uh, obviously called Mister Cricket for a reason. He just loved the game, and he always just he just possessed and just represented that he always showed that he wanted to do everything that he could to to win. Yeah. Um, and probably more so too that those sort of two years, I was probably on the back of not having a good year and a half also up in Queensland. Yeah. So I was probably a little bit not as sort of confident in my own ability um, so to sort of be around them and see how they went about it bowling to them and just knowing and being able to perform in the net and in some trial games that you know I still I still got that ability to play at this level um unfortunately I wasn't able to play a game for them um, yeah. but um, it was still a massive learning curve uh, for for me personally for my cricket and then also I guess for my own personal development as a person uh, off the field as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. The 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 culture there at the Thunder under Paddy Upton uh, looked from the outside in as a, a real uh, opportunity to learn for, for anyone um, in in that group at the time.
2: Yeah, spot on. You got it exactly right. That was what Paddy Paddy was massive on. You know, he, obviously, he's, he's a coach, but um, he was big on you know we there's so much knowledge in the room as players mm. um try and learn off each other and, and harness that Yep. and talk amongst each, amongst each other how you go about things how, what do you think of doing what do you think of this or can you help me with this or how do you bowl this ball or how do you face this bowler the more you talk that we talk as a group i think the stronger connection all players got yeah uh, and also um, the more you learnt and develop your own game at the same time. Um, you know, it's all well and good play uh, you know, coaches probably, you know, saying you should do this or you should do that. Um, you know, players at that level are still gonna listen, but you know, if you're talking currently to a player who's, you know, you're um going out into battle with and you're experiencing similar things, or at least you can relate. Sometimes it might be a little bit hard as a coach potentially to relate to scenarios or feelings um, that players are going through. So if you can find players um, that are, are doing the same, well, you might be able to learn off each other as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, just want to backtrack a little bit. You, you get a chance to tour with Australia A in 2012 on, on, on the back of that strong Shield season you have. And you, you knock over Ben Stokes a couple of times over there, actually, from um, looking <laughs> l- looking through through the stats. Uh so you get wickets there on the australia a tour and then you get the call up to join the australian squad in the u a e uh what was what was um going through your mind then um to to see yourself pretty close to to the the australian setup
2: uh, it was it was an amazing probably I would say a, a two years from you know coming up through Queensland system, playing a lot all the one a lot of one day cricket, T20 cricket, and first class cricket, and getting picked on that tour, and you know on that being getting picked on sorry the Aussie A tour, you know there was, I think there was four or five games, I only got only played one, um, but I think that was in Durham, but and then to go and get picked on that Dubai tour. Um, you know that was a, that was an amazing experience, and if I had my time again, I probably would uh, wouldn't. I, I guess getting on an Aussie tour as a 21 year old, I was I was pretty shy. I yeah. probably didn't open up as much, and that's probably just me as my, my personality. But I probably would have liked to try and pro- try and learn more off um, off all the players, and probably be a bit more sort of proactive in that, yeah. and and also be a bit more vocal at times. But no, it's easy, probably to, in hindsight, to say that. But when you've got you know Mike Custy, Michael Clark, um, those type of players around there, Shane Watson, Mitch Johnson, um, you know Mitchell Stark, who was at the early part, I think, of his career, yeah. Then um, it's it's quite, it's probably quite hard to sort of try and be that type of person, and that definitely wasn't wasn't for me. But again, that you know a month in Dubai with those guys uh, in the for the one days and T20s. It was an amazing experience and something I definitely sort of look back on. Um, uh-huh. And um, something that, you know, probably, probably from that moment, I probably could have learned probably more from that tour. Uh, probably could have trained a little bit harder and pushed myself more to to make sure that I got that, another opportunity. Um, but unfortunately, I was, never probably gave myself that opportunity again.
0: Uh, yeah, and I was going to say, within a couple of years of that, you find yourself... Uh, out of the Queensland squad, can you tell us, like, just from an identity piece? Uh, you, you you grow up um, playing cricket. You fulfil the dream of putting on the baggy maroon cap. You win. You win some titles. You, you, cricket is a lot of who you are. To to have that time out of the Queensland squad, um, what what learning do you have uh, looking back on it now um, from that experience?
2: Yeah, it, it's a good one. It was probably, it took me a good, I think, a year to maybe even two years to to fully understand and get my head around, I guess, what happened, maybe why, and and also just sort of understand and look back on what I probably could have done better as well. Yeah. Um, as I sort of just sort of touched on, I definitely probably, I don't think I changed the way I trained or less trained less. I probably kept doing the same. And I think as a professional athlete, you just can't keep doing the same thing because players, players are constantly improving, constantly trying to be better.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and that's probably something that I could have been a lot more proactive about is just being improving myself as, as a, as a, as a bowler. Um, but dealing with the delisting, that was, that was tough because that was also at the same time that I was being at the Thunder. So, I think that possibly sort of helped me to know that I was still good enough, but I was still probably dealing with why. I probably took me a good 18 months to sort of understand why I was delisted, listed yeah. um, And I haven't never been sort of too vocal on it, but I've ne- I didn't really sort of, definitely didn't agree with it and didn't agree with sort of the reasons of why I sort of got told. But, you know, that that's happened, that's part of the parcel. And, you know, I've definitely moved on and passed that, that that's for sure, but um, it was that's probably what took me so long to just to process it as a, I think I was 24 at that stage was just to understand and learn how to deal with such a disappointment yeah. because I had touched so many highs for a, a period of time, I probably didn't learn how to deal with failure um, at that age.
0: And and was it then that you sparked the passion for coaching? Did you? Is this when you you started your your coaching career with Winner Manly?
2: Um, it wasn't for a few more years after that. So after I lost my contract with Queensland, I went. I sort of dabbled in real estate and or industrial real estate for a few years. Yep. Um, and after I think three years, I sort of realised that probably you know it wasn't for me. Um, and I sort of changed, and that's when I started all my coaching. Yep. Uh, a few years after that, and got into my teaching degree, which I um, I'm looking to hopefully finish in a year's time.
0: Outstanding. Um,
2: so yeah, that's yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's to be honest. If you were, if I said uh, when I was at school, or even six, seven years ago, you know, you're going to be doing. Uni and looking to become a teacher, um, I would have said you're absolutely kidding yourself. <laughs> but I've done I've done some pracs and you know it's something that I really enjoy, and I'm thoroughly enjoying all the coaching and my coaching business that I that I do. Um, and I love being around kids because you get a lot of energy and enjoyment out the, out of them. Mm. And the best thing is you're trying to help them improve. Whether it is in a, is in the classroom or in cricket, you get to see their development and and enjoy their ride as well. Um, yeah, and but I guess going back onto I guess that point of of losing that contract, it was it was a tough thing for me to to deal with, but you know, I sort of slowly slowly sort of got over it and got into the real estate and sort of that sort of finished up and um, since that coaching sort of side of stuff started, um, I sort of haven't sort of really looked back since then.
0: And you have another little run in the Queensland set up as well before injuries um take their toll um what was it like uh getting back in and then um ha- having the injuries kind of kind of uh put the brakes on again
2: yeah it was oh, it that was probably i think i've got the still got a great message and a screenshot of um uh, cuz i actually missed the call to say that I was getting a contract or offering me a contract and I got it sort of via text message to say, look, just give us a call back.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: I think it might have been in oh, late April, early May. Um, And, you know, from that moment, it was you know amazing because even though I, it was still a dream of mine to get back, it wasn't my number one goal, to be honest. Yeah. My goal was just to enjoy playing cricket because I went through – you know, a fair amount of time where I wasn't enjoying cricket. I didn't want to play. I was playing because I just knew that, that, you know, I was decent at cricket, so I'll just keep playing and hopefully I'll enjoy it again. And I had all my mates in cricket as well. Yeah. Um, and I was coaching, so, you know, why not just keep playing? Um. But I, I think I got all my passion back and my results, you know, sort of showed that um, I was performing really well in club cricket and, and second eleven. Yep. And then I got that opportunity. Um, but as you sort of mentioned on those injuries, I still know the date, July 16th, 2019. Yep. <laughs> I uh, fell over then cutting at training, uh, broke my uh, distal radius sort of fracture in my right arm. Um, and to be honest, from then I barely was able to, to bowl off my run-up again and I uh, haven't really done it since, to be honest. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, it was, it's, it was, it was probably one of the hardest, uh, hardest seasons, the hardest sort of five, six months mentally. Um, there was times, um, uh, cause I sort of did my wrist and as I was, my wrist recovered and I was getting back to bowling, um, I got a stress fracture in my back. Oh. Um uh, so as soon as you get a stress fracture, that's about six, seven, eight months out yep. as a bowler. Um, so that was my season done. And by sort of september October, I think when I got my stress fracture, I pretty much knew what the news was going to be coming because my season was over, and on a on a one year contract in the yeah. age of twenty nine thirty a fast bowler who's had sort of four stress fractures and isn't cemented in any team you you know what's sort of coming um yeah. so it was it was probably the hardest time as i said you know i didn't I didn't really want to be a training um there was times, you know, I was probably I was tearing up on the way to training, leaving training, wow. uh, holding back tears during training. Um, but it was it was one thing that I definitely learned about myself. Again, was you know if you're in that fit in that state of mind, best thing is to, to take take a step back. Don't try and force your way through it to 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 recover or to get better. Yeah, um, I probably should have taken a couple of weeks away. Um, and because you know mental health is such a massive thing, and I probably didn't really sort of um, take the time for myself. I was always thinking, no, I need to do this. I need to be show that I'm keen to to get another contract, to to show that I want to be here, and I'm doing everything I can. Um, I should have thought a bit more sort of about myself and what I guess the perception was, yeah. especially that I hadn't been able to play a game for the whole season, pretty much. Yeah. Um. So, it was yeah, it was it was definitely the hardest season, that's for sure, mentally. Um. And it's it's pretty disappointing to to think, um, to think of sort of what that what sort of happened and sort of what I went through. Um. But look, people people go through a far lot worse. Uh, unfortunately, um. You know, I was lucky to to get another opportunity after. Having sort of you know six or seven years at an early age, so um, even though it didn't work out, I'm still thankful that I was able to have it, have that, uh, have that second opportunity. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it sounds like things are going well now. Uh, y- y- you're doing coaching, so you got your own coaching business, is that right?
2: Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, it's, pretty, it's just the Alison McDermott uh, Cricket Academy that I sort of run out of um, Brizzy and the Gold Coast up here, yep. and. um just do a lot of a, a bit of private stuff, a fast bowling sort of program as well, um, some camp, cricket camps, and, and then just get involved in in some school programs as well with some private a private school up here, um, Churchy,
1: yeah,
2: um, with um, a fellow Queenslander Peter Drinnan who played for Queensland, um, punt me back or I would say maybe early two thousand, yeah, um. Yeah, I sort of help him out, help him out there, and, and Peter Clifford sort of does a little bit of work there as well. So, know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I love getting up, you know, knowing that I'm going to be helping sort of young kids um, help develop their game. And I think the best thing that I try, or the biggest thing that I try and focus on, and learning things, that I, the learnings that I've had in my in my career is about just enjoying the game. They're going to fail. They're going to fail a lot more than they succeed. Um, And it might not sound like they're probably turning people off cricket (laughs) if you're (laughs) going to fail more than you succeed. But it's those moments that succeed that you you keep playing or it's the moments where your teammates succeed or your team succeeds that makes you want to keep playing the game. That's for sure. Um, If they can learn how to understand... And control the emotions and how they feel with failing, and um, learn from learn from it. Then you know, keep playing and enjoy the sport for what it is. I think there's a lot of life lessons in, in cricket because in life you're going to get thrown a lot of curveballs, um, a lot of challenges, and you might sort of fail at things. But it's how you just sort of step up and walk out, I guess. Pardon the pun. And walk out for your next things or next challenge, yeah. uh, next spell, and how you come back from that and keep learning, is is probably the biggest biggest life lesson that you can get from cricket. And my best mates today are all in cricket. Yeah. Um, you're, I think that's the biggest thing. The amazing thing about team sport, um, once you've played it for quite a while at any level, um, those friends, the friendships that you make, are uh, there for life and I might not see some of them for two or three years, but you end up seeing them hang out for a couple of hours and it's just like, you know, (laughs) you never left. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the most enjoyable thing, that's for sure.
0: Oh, 100%, 100%. Now, you've been very generous with your time, Alistair, but I need to ask you one more question. This one, very popular with our listeners. Yeah. If Alistair McDermott's having a net and he can invite anyone down, um, and I'd say... Anyone down when they're in the peak of their condition as well thinking here, so yeah. um it could be cricketers, could be athletes, comedians, politicians whoever whoever you want um who who are your top three to have at the nets?
2: Oh, that's a very, very good question um, well i I was growing up as cricketers, or as a cricketer, sorry, um I always enjoyed, and even still to this day, you've seen him rolling the arm over. Um, in the comment, just doing commentary is um, definitely sort of Shane Warne, that's for sure. Yeah, um, no doubt he's no doubt he, he's probably still got it, and he's gonna always have some probably some some good stories um, as well for you. Um, number two, um, look, well, I do I do enjoy my golf, so it would have to be, you know, you could go either Tiger Woods or a good Aussie um, Adam Scott. um yeah. something you know I've. Something I guess it's some golf that I've got into lately and have always enjoyed. Um, number three, it's a tough one. I'm trying to I'm trying to steer away from uh, from from cricketers. Yeah. Um. What I, I, I would have to say it probably would be another cricketer to be honest. And um, it would probably I've always liked watching um. I'm gonna just say throw it out there is is Sean Pollock. Yeah. Um, maybe because he's a fellow maybe because he's a as a fellow redhead as well, but that's a that's a bowl that who I grew up um watching and idolizing uh, on sort of, you know, how he bowled. Um never met him before, but hopefully he's a good fellow to have down in the net.
0: <laughs> oh, well if you're listening, Sean Pollock, um Get in touch with Alistair McDermott and get get down to the nets. <laughs> Lo- love-
2: yeah, that would be nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> love to see that happen. Well, th- thank you so much, Alistair, for your time. You've, you've been very generous uh, with sharing some of your memories uh, of your career and, and things that you've learned throughout. Uh, really appreciated having you on the Cricket Library podcast and wish you all the best with your Cricket Academy and finishing off your uni degree. And, um, yeah, thanks so much for being a part of the program.
2: Oh is that thank you very much for having me. Apologies that uh I know it's been a bit back and forth over the last couple <laughs> of months to trying to trying to trying to get me on and, and stuff, but look no, I thoroughly uh appreciate um and coming on and enjoyed it and um thank you very much for, for what you're doing. I think hopefully a lot of kids and even parents, uh, get to I guess take a couple of things away from whoever they might be listening to, it doesn't obviously necessarily have to be me, but Hopefully they enjoy it and have some uh, enjoyment out of it, and maybe they've got to take uh, a little learning learning out of it as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's one uh, one of the reasons we're here is to inspire people to love and play the game, and um, these stories certainly help to do that. Thanks so much, Alistair McDermott.
2: No Thank you.
0: A massive thanks to Alistair McDermott for joining us on the Cricket Library podcast really appreciated his openness and honesty about the highs and the lows he experienced plenty of highs playing for queensland and the brisbane heat australian under 19s all that sort of stuff but of course the disappointments of losing a queensland contract and having to think through uh, his options in life and and certainly a great to see him Thriving and flourishing at the moment in his studies to become a teacher, and his work as a cricket coach, the Alistair McDermott Cricket Academy, and of course uh, at Winmanley Grade Cricket Club in Brisbane. Uh, fantastic to hear that things are going so well for Alistair now, and, and we thoroughly appreciate his time on the podcast today. And how good to have a redhead mentioned in the three net session selections. Sean Pollock, welcome. I think that is the first redhead we've had nominated. Uh, Any other future guests, maybe consider Jason Flores or Andrew McDonald or maybe even Alastair McDermott himself. Maybe we could build up that network of redheaded cricketers getting a mention on the podcast. And if you did enjoy today, which I trust you did, please make sure you hit the subscribe button. If you're feeling extra generous, make sure you give us a, a, a rating and review on the iTunes store. That really does help spread the word and get it out there. The message that we're trying to share, which is stories that inspire a love of cricket. And Alastair McDermott's story has certainly done that for me today. He's lit up that, relit, and kept that flame burning within me and, and hopefully the same for all of you. Have yourselves a great time until we meet again. Uh, we will be back again soon. This has been Matt Ellis for the Cricket Library Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's bye for now.